Today on the Matt Wall Show, we, we had our big pro-life rally here in Philly, and uh, the turnout and reception was incredible. I want to tell you about it and talk about where we go from here uh, with the pro-life movement. Was this the tipping point of some kind? And we'll talk about that. Also, Mother's Day is now offensive. We will discuss why. And I will field one of the most, one of the most outrageous and offensive emails that I've ever received. Uh, I'll have to address today as well on the Matt Wall Show. Well, I am, uh, I'm pretty blown away, honestly, by what I just witnessed. I'm coming from the rally uh, here in Philly, the rally that, as I'm, as I'm sure you're aware of the genesis of it by now, but uh, just to review, Brian Sims, the Democratic state lawmaker uh, here in Philadelphia, had been harassing and accosting pro-lifers and, and filming himself doing it um, proudly. So we decided to hold a rally in support of the, the victims of his bullying and in defense, most importantly, of the unborn. And as I said, I'm just coming from the rally and the turnout was incredible. I mean, hundreds of people, uh, the street was packed. There was barely room to stand. Uh, people came from all over. I, I personally talked to people who came from Texas, uh, uh, California, Ohio, you know, all up and down the East Coast. Uh, I talked to one guy, he drove in from Oklahoma, um, basically drove through the night to, to be here, on and on. And of course, there were a lot of, lot of local people here as well, hundreds and hundreds of people. And you know, I, what I was most excited about is that a lot of people that I talked to afterwards told me that they had never attended an event like this. They had never been to a pro-life event before. Um, I heard that from a lot of people. And so there were, there were plenty of pro-life veterans, plenty of, uh, of ac activists, you know, people who do this kind of thing all the time, which is great. But there was also a sizable number of people who, who have never stood outside of a clinic. They've, they've never done this, never participated in something like this. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I hope that it's, and what many of those people told me is that this is, they, they planned for this to be the first of many uh, uh, such events that they will attend. And I, I hope that is the case. In fact, CBS reported that over, um, I was wondering what the, the, I didn't get a head count myself, but uh, as far as the official, I don't have an official crowd size number. CBS says that there were over a thousand people. And in fact, I'll, let me, uh, I'll play their report their report that they did on the rally, just to give you an idea of the size. And also because honestly, I'm, I'm kind of shocked at the local CBS affiliate. First of all, they sent a helicopter to get a look at the crowd and then, and then they accurately reported the size of the crowd, which I'm impressed by. So here's their report. Representative Sims has received widespread condemnation for the incident. Let's take you live now to that rally on the ground with Eyewitness News reporter Greg Argos. Good afternoon, Greg. Good afternoon there, Janelle and Jim. Yeah, more than a thousand people have gathered here in front of the Planned Parenthood Clinic at 12th and Locust Street. Take a live look of just how many folks are out here right now. Most of these folks are part of the pro-life movement. They're calling for an end to abortion, but they're gathering here today because of two videos posted by an elected state official. Now, the two videos went viral this week, but State Representative Brian Sims recorded them in April. One video shows Sims approaching three teens and a mother prayerfully protesting in front of the clinic. He offers money to anyone who can identify the teens. The second nearly nine minute video follows an elderly woman. She's also praying outside of the planned parenthood clinic here. Sims calls the woman racist and says she's an old white lady. Now back here live, if we take a look from our chopper, you can see just how large 
of this crowd is the videos received widespread criticism, as you can imagine, from both sides of the abortion debate. And this week, live action, a pro-life organization called for a rally outside the clinic. The crowd gathering here this morning calling for state rep Sims to resign and praying for those working and entering the facility. A heavy police presence surrounds this building and at least a dozen Planned Parenthood volunteers stood guard outside to help or help escort, I should say, anyone inside the building. Most gathered here say this shows the power of the pro-life movement. We also did speak with one woman who was pro-choice. Take a listen to both sides. It shows the strength of the pro-life community that the pro-life community here in Philadelphia and beyond will not back down to violence, bullying and intimidation. We were overwhelmed just with the success of our fundraiser where people were giving their own money in five and ten and twenty five dollar increments. But the fact that people showed up, I know some people here traveled from such incredible distances to be here. It is it means so much to me and to my family. I'm out here to provide support for the volunteers that are coming to help people get services that they need. Um, I wanted to just make sure that it felt like they felt safe. And back here live, you can just see how large this crowd is. It's basically closed down Locust Street between 12th and 11th Street here in Center City, a heavy police presence. And if we look to the left here, you can see some of the volunteers from Planned Parenthood. They're wearing the smocks, the orange and pink smocks, helping everyone or anyone who needs to enter the clinic here get through. Uh, now, a lot of folks have called for Representative Sims to resign. He has not made any direct statement other than a video he released two days ago calling his actions aggressive, but he's not stated anything since. That is the latest live here in Center City. That is uh, that's a that's a that's a pretty big pretty big crowd. I, I would have been happy, honestly, with a hundred people showing up. And when I sent a tweet, this all started with a, a tweet that I sent on Monday night, where I said it, it'd be great if we had a rally there. You know, if, if a bunch of pro-lifers showed up to, in response to all this bullying. And five days later, there you go, with, uh, over a thousand people packing the street. Uh, as I said, if a hundred people came. Originally, I was thinking maybe we get 100 people, and, and, and that would be good. I'd be, I would have been happy with that. Um, I wasn't expecting anything like that. And so that shows you, you know, it, it shows you a few things, but it shows you that social media uh, can, Twitter is a godforsaken hellscape most of the time, and it's a time suck most of the time, and it's destroying our lives in many ways, but it, it can be used for good. Um, and that's where this, pretty much this entire event was organized just through, not just me, but um, uh, many pro-lifers and, and conservatives and, uh, with you know, a platform tweeting about it and getting people out. So this, was, this is pretty much, this is a grassroots, uh, organically organized through social media, mainly through Twitter, and that's what you get. So um, it is a tool that can be used for good, and, and uh, I think we should try to do that more often. If I did have one complaint about the event, it's um, this moment right here. Look at this picture. Uh, you see Lila's, that's Lila Rose there, and uh, you see her face, the expression she's making. Now, of course, I get that face a lot when I talk. I'm, I'm very used to it. Um, you know, I get that face, for, or when I'm tweeting, I assume that people read my tweets with that look on their face. I get that look from my wife a lot, um, uh, from all my family and loved ones. So I'm, I'm used to that face, but that was actually, see, she's making that face there because I, I, when I first got to the podium, uh, Lila tried to get me to take off my sunglasses because she said it was cloudy and rainy at the time, so there was no reason to have them on. And uh, I refused to take them off. Why did I refuse? Because they're prescription sunglasses, 
and I'd be blind without them. So Lila, you know, arguably is discriminating against the visually impaired there, um, and uh, which, which is which is terribly uh, terrible. Honestly, after that moment, I had to keep the sunglasses on to hide my tears that I was shedding because I was so wounded by this discriminatory attack. Um, you might say that I could have worn regular glasses, and that's true, but then what if the sun peeks out from the clouds suddenly and melts my eyeballs? And, and, and that does happen. I mean, it happens all the time to people. I've heard of it happening. Uh, so, so there's that. But aside from that one little hiccup, it was a remarkable and inspiring, motivating, uh, all-around awesome event. And in all seriousness, aside from the sunglass shaming, Lila Rose and, and the people at Live Action deserve a ton of credit. Um, after I had this idea on Twitter, I, I immediately got in touch with live action because I know that if anyone could throw this together in four or five days, it would be them, and they did. Um, and they, you know, they had to do quite a bit. Uh, to, you got to get the permits, you got to get all the equipment, organize the speakers, get the, you know, to or, coordinate with the local um, pro-life leaders, law enforcement. There's a lot you got to do, and they had four or five days to do it, and uh, and they did it. Now, people have been asking me if Brian Sims showed up. Um, and of course, no, he didn't. He, he did not show up. There was a little chance that he would. I would have loved to see him. I would have loved for him to come, but I didn't expect that he would. Uh, Sims is a, a pariah now to Planned Parenthood, um, perhaps even more than he is in the pro-life movement. I think, I think Planned Parenthood probably hates him more now than they do us. Um, because I'm sure they blame him for the fact that a thousand pro-lifers showed up to their front, you know, were, were standing in their front yard. Well, not really in their front yard. We were on public property. But um, they, the fact that there were a thousand pro-lifers outside of their building, they blame him for that, not without reason. And so he was never going to shut up, uh, show up. Um, and not only that, but it's, it's not just that Sims didn't come. There were also almost no counter-protesters, which, which did not surprise me either. That isn't surprising. There never are very many who come to these kinds of things. They don't show up to the March for Life uh, or, or any other pro-life event. Even if you think, well, this is the kind of thing where you would, um, like, where is Antifa? Is, isn't this what Antifa's made for, is to show up at something like this? Um, I didn't expect them to come, and they didn't. Why is that? Well, I think there are two reasons. One, um, they don't want to in, engage right? They can't defend their position and they know it. So they pick on the weak and the vulnerable. They, they, they pick on, they're like, you know, lions who are looking for the weak, injured gazelle to, to separate it from the pack um, to go after. And I, I'm being way too flattering to them and comparing them to lions because they're not at all. Uh, maybe hyenas or something would be a better comparison, but they, they're looking, they, they, they'll come after you if you're by yourself. Um, and if they think that you're not going to be able to, if they think you, you won't be able to or won't be willing to defend yourself. So Brian Simpson was going after kids. Uh, he was going after the, the, the older woman who would have been perfectly capable of defending herself, but she decided to remain silent, which I think was a, which I think was a very good decision on her part. She let him basically, uh, you know, dig his own grave, as it were, uh, bury himself with his words, and he did. So she made the right decision. And that's what they're looking for. If they think that, okay, there are going to be people there who will engage with me and, and argue with me and do so, um, uh, you know, competently, well, they don't want any part of that. 
So they're not going to be there. The second reason, though, why, why we didn't see any um, counter-protesters is the pro-abortion movement, you have to understand, is much smaller and much more lethargic. And, and that's the fact of the matter. Now, I say the pro-abortion movement is much smaller than the pro-life movement. Yet, abortion is still legal almost everywhere in the country, right? Um, so why is that? If I'm claiming that the one movement is so much bigger than the other. Well, that's because the vast majority of people are not part of either movement. Most people aren't in any movement at all. They're, they're not interested in moving one direction or another. They just want to sit back and, uh, and float. And that's where most people are. The vast majority are indifferent, um, intellectually lazy, and they're, they're kind of in the middle. And, and that means they're going to go with the status quo. They're going to go with the way that with the just the direction that the water happens to be flowing and um and so the status quo is abortion in our um, society but in terms of uh actually getting people and, and that's the, that's the ace they have up their sleeve is that they know um that yeah they don't have an energetic and large movement, but they also know that most people are just going to go with whatever they say. In terms of actually getting people mobilized, um, well, they could never do what we just did in a week. They could never do that. I mean, I would challenge them to try, but they can't. They're never going to do that. Uh, just like they're never going to get a march the size of the March for Life. The most they could do is they had the one women's march, but it, but they claimed that that was not a pro-abortion march. That was just a, a march for women. So uh, as far as an, expl- a, a, an event that explicitly deals with this issue, they're not going to do anything like what we did today or what the March for Life does or in many other kinds of similar events. Um, they just can't do it. Now, my point in bringing that up is that this is a, a huge advantage that we have that we do have all the energy on our side. We have the ability and the willingness to mobilize, to get involved. Um, and we also have the truth. You know, it, it, what we're defending is life. And, um, that really lends itself. You know, it, 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 it lends itself to a rally or a march or giving a speech. Uh, because what are you putting on the sign? You're, you're, you're putting things on the sign about life and love and liberty. And that's what we're, we're marching for. It's the kind of thing you could be proud to be a part of. And that's one of the other reasons. That, that's one of the other problems that the pro-abortion movement has is that... Um, even people who are sympathetic to them, and even people who otherwise maybe would be willing to go out and be an activist, a lot of them are embarrassed and ashamed uh, to be explicitly involved in this issue on that side of it. They don't want to be. They don't want to hold a sign saying, yay, abortion, right? They don't want that. which is why, if there's any hope of actually getting people, they need to say something, oh, it's a women's march. It's not about that. It's about all these other random issues. Uh, so sure, I'll hold a sign saying, yay, women. But we're not afraid to address the actual issue. 
because we're not ashamed of our position. We know that it's right and it's good and it's just. And that's a huge advantage we have. So my hope is that what happened today is um, the beginning of something. It's, the, it's a, a, a tipping point. As I said, all these people said I'd never been involved in a pro-life movement before. This is my first time. Well, I, I hope that those people stay involved and stay active. And, you know, this isn't, as I said, this isn't new for pro-life activists. They've been doing this for a long time. So this isn't new for them. But I hope it's, it's a new thing for a lot of people who are sympathetic to the pro-life cause, who are pro-life, uh, but up until this point, they're pro-life in their heads or maybe on the computer, not out in the real world. You see, what we did with this issue, what, what we did, it was very simple. We saw something that we didn't like, that was unjust and wrong, and we said, you know what, we're just going to show up. Yeah, we can send tweets and we'll do that and we can complain and all that. But we're also just going to show. We're just going to go. We're going to get on our feet. We're going to walk there and we're going to show up. That's what we need to start doing. Showing up. Expressing our um, point of view in the real world. We need to be doing a lot more of that. Nothing wrong with, uh, with complaining about injustice. But when we're complaining about it, the next question is, okay, what are you going to do about it? We did something here. And this might, this might seem like a small thing. I don't know. But at the very least, you know, this guy, Brian Sims, he, he, this was, in, in him harassing pro-lifers, he'd been doing that for a long time. And filming himself doing it for a long time. The only difference is that we finally put our foot down and said, you know what? No, we're not going to let you do this anymore. You're going to pay a price for that. All right, what else? Um, Here's something. Let me see if I can pull it up. Um, An Australian school renamed Mother's Day, uh, calling it Acknowledgement Day. Acknowledgement Day. As the principal stated, we no longer subscribe to a binary world. This is from reading from the Daily Wire now. Uh, As the Daily Mail writes of Brunswick East Primary School in Melbourne, in previous years, the school has hosted a fundraising stall where children could buy Mother's Day merchandise such as mugs, trinkets, candles, and soaps. But now the stall will be called the Appreciation Stall instead, where children can buy gifts for anyone. Um... Principal Janet D. Pila wrote in the school newsletter, You will see further in this newsletter a fantastic poster for our first Acknowledgement Day. We will be holding two of these days each year, one to coincide with the traditional Mother's Day and the other to to coincide with the traditional Father's Day. There has been a lot of discussion about the reason we celebrate these days and the naming of the celebration. I believe that days like this are important because we do need to stop and show gratitude. Um, We do need to stop and show gratitude. I sincerely hope that this change in name will show that we as a computer recognize blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay, so it's, it's, uh, it's Acknowledgement Day now, not Mother's Day. Uh, you know, I've talked about this plenty, um, as you know. But here's what it comes down to, okay? With all this non-binary stuff, transgenderism stuff, gender fluidity stuff, uh, here's here's the point. Here's the question, really. It's a simple question. What is a woman? 
What is a woman? Very simple question. What is a woman? Can you define the word? You need to be able to define it. I can. So as a believer in biology, uh, I confess, I, I do believe that biology is a thing, that it exists. So as a believer in bio biology, I can define it. I would say that a woman, in principle, is a female of the human species who possesses two X chromosomes and female reproductive organs, as well as dozens of other or even hundreds of other biological markers distinct to the female subset of the human species. That, that's how I would define the term. Um, and, and this will be the case for every female, barring sickness, mutation, or injury. So there are going to be a few exceptions, but, uh, you know, for instance, women who don't have re female reproductive organs, uh, not because they have functioning male reproductive organs, but just because they've, they've you know, some sort of mutation or, or there could have been a sickness. I mean, uh, but if, if it is an exception, it's because something has gone wrong physically, and that's very clear. So there you go. That's how I define it. If you don't define the word that way, then how do you define it? After all, if you're going to say that a man can be a woman, then you must be able to define what both of those words mean, because otherwise it's nonsense. Right? To say that so-and-so can be a woman or is a woman. Okay, well, what is that? What are, you, what are you trying to say he is? Now, I posed this challenge on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I spent much of yesterday trying to get someone to answer this question, like some leftist. It just, it's, it's, if this is a gotcha question for you, then that should tell you something about your point of view. This should not be a gotcha question. All I'm saying is you're using this word. What do you mean by it? Tell me that and we can proceed with the conversation. So I posed this a challenge on Twitter. I said, uh, here's a simple challenge for everyone who thinks that a biological male can be a woman. Define woman. Uh, I think any definition will either rule out the possibility of men being women or expand the concept of womanhood into utter meaninglessness. Prove me wrong. Go ahead. All right. So th there you go. I, it's just, there's the challenge. Someone step up to the plate some leftist, and give me a definition. And, and then we can go from there. Uh, but going through the responses, and there was almost 100 responses, um, and no one, someone says, why don't you mind your own business? Okay, that's not a response. And, and how am I not minding my own business? I'm just saying, what's, what's, what's the definition of this word? When someone asks for the definition of a word, if someone, you know, if your kid said to you, uh, you know, Daddy, what what does what is what does this word mean? Would you say mind your own business? I mean, I'm a human being, and so words are part of my business too. So mind your own business. Someone says. Um, someone says a woman is a classification of human beings that we make in society. It's ultimately arbitrary. Okay, so their definition is there's no definition. It doesn't mean anything. All right, well, that's not really answering the question, but uh, if that's the case, then you understand that it makes no sense for you to say so-and-so is a woman or for someone to say, I am a woman. You realize that, that that phrase now means nothing. And so if I'm supposed to respect, well, that they identify as a, as a woman, uh, you have to respect that. Well, why do I have to respect it? It doesn't. You just said it doesn't mean anything. They may as well identify as a, as a you know, as a 
hoobly-boo. It's just, it's a, it's a made-up word, you're saying. Um, definitions are problematic and were invented by the patriarchy to oppress minorities. Well, I, you know, I, I assume that's sarcastic, but I, I have no idea at this point. Uh... Yeah, there's I, I I go through all these replies. No one is able to give a definition. No no one from a woman. Okay, here's a definition. A woman is someone who identifies as a woman. That's it. It's really simple. Okay, so your definition of woman is someone who identifies as woman. Your definition of table is a thing that is a table. Your definition of apple is a thing that is an apple. You see, that's not a definition. You can't use the word you're defining in the definition because that still leaves the question of, okay, well, what does that word mean that you just used in the definition? Um, if if I were uh, on if I were on of a, the left wing persuasion, this would trouble me. It would it would trouble me that. A simple word like woman that I use all the time, I can't define. Because I know that if I define it, my whole worldview will shatter. You should be troubled by that. All right, let's go to uh, some emails before we wrap things up for the day. MattWalshow at gmail.com. MattWalshow at gmail.com. This is from... um, from Hope says, hey, Matt, I've been following for a while and don't always agree with your views, but I appreciate your passion for the pro-life cause. I might be wrong, but I don't feel I've heard you talk much about how to act towards women who are in a position to make the choice. I was a pregnant teenager who was surrounded by a lot of people from church who were more judgmental than they were supportive, and it was extremely lonely and scary. Abortion was never on the table for me, but I believe a lot of these women feel forced because they want to avoid the judgment. There seems to be a lot of focus on how awful abortion is, which is fine. I just feel like there should be more focus on caring for these girls and applauding the choice to keep their babies, um, not applauding the situation or the choice to get pregnant, but showing love and grace. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. And um, and uh, it, it will please you to learn that there are a lot of people in the pro-life movement that this is their, this is this is what they do. Uh, they offer support and encouragement to women. Pregnancy centers... There are pregnancy centers in every city, every major city in America, um, and, and plenty of non-major cities as well. And this is what they do. They reach out to the women. They offer help and counseling and guidance and um, love and acceptance and a lot of practical things, too. Like, we'll help you with diapers. We'll get your clothes. We'll, you know, we'll, everything. Um, pregnancy centers will help women in, in any possible way. There was, I, I did a, a fundraiser for a pregnancy center down in Florida recently, and they had um, some volunteers from the center had built a house for a, a, a pregnant woman uh, who was homeless. So, I mean, you know, they, they, that does happen. Uh, but I agree with you that that's a really important part of this discussion. Um, and I will also say that when we're talking about this issue, or any issue, the way that we talk about it will depend in large part on who we're talking to and, and what the context is. Now, there is never a context where we should lie. There is never a context where we should encourage people to do the wrong thing. 
but there can be situations where it calls for a more gentle approach, um, where using certain words and certain phrases wouldn't be helpful. And if you're talking to a woman who's in a desperate situation, who's scared, who doesn't know what to do, uh, who ha has no support around her, well, that's someone who needs, as you say, for you to reach out, show love, show acceptance, um, avoid anything that reeks of judgment. Um, that's going to be the approach you need there. While still remaining firmly grounded in the truth. So you can never compromise on that. But the way that you communicate that truth will, will uh, shift sometimes, depending on who you're talking to and what the, what the uh, situation is. When we're talking about this issue on, a, on the public stage, and we're talking about it generally, then I think that calls for a much more straightforward, blunt uh, approach because you're trying to cut through the noise, cut through the haze, speak to people in their indifference, um, and kind of douse some cold water on them to wake them up. But not every situation is like that. And when it's a more personal one-on-one -on -one thing, then maybe you change uh, your approach a little bit. All right, this is from um, Kim. I got a lot of emails on this issue, so I'll, 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 just, I'll read just one. We talked about this earlier in the week. Um, we talked about the issue of, of uh, kids in church and uh, what do you do about kids that are loud in church and, and, and all of that. So this is from Kim. It says, hello, Matt. I am deeply annoyed by the comments about children in mass. Those comments are everything that's wrong with Catholic fellowship here in America. Children need to be in mass. We need to norm normalize worship for them from a young age. We hear all the time that practice makes perfect. Children will not learn how to act in mass if they aren't given the opportunity to be a part of the mass often. We make mass a dreadful experience for kids when it's just a place where they're yelled at, scolded, expected to sit still and quiet for 45 minutes. Um, where are you going to church that's only 45 minutes? Uh, let me know. I'd like to go there. It is, no, I'm kidding, sort of. Uh, it's especially frustrating because that is not how Jesus acts towards children in the Gospels. Jesus is very open and loving to children. Let the children come to me, he says. I have three children, age three, two, and one. We carry a lot of, quote, joyful noise wherever we go. We have a lot of joyful no noise, too, in our family, although it's, you know, I, I must admit, not, sometimes the noise is less joyful than others, but there's a lot of noise anyway. Um, from experience, the only people who have problems with children are people who aren't parents. Uh, I, I even bring my children to daily mass, and the little old ladies love that we're there. I can remember before I was a mom feeling like young children who are loud or distracted or just misbehaving, but now that I'm a mother, I totally get that no two-year-old can developmentally act like an adult at mass or anywhere else. Um, it doesn't matter how well-behaved this two-year-old is in any other setting. Um, the serious problem with this is, is allowing a Catholic church where children are made to feel unwelcome. If children are unwelcome, then young families are unwelcome. If young families are unwelcome, then who will be the future of the church? This contributes to the issues that uh, the church is having with losing American Catholics. I am Hispanic American. When I go to Spanish-speaking masses, those masses are filled with families who are so warm to children. There's no expectation that children are going to remain quiet and seated, and no one is phased by that. Um, we as a church have to stop being so strict about the meaning of reverence when it comes to small children. Obviously, older children are different. Once children reach the age of reason and are preparing for First Communion, then they must start to have true reverence and attention to the whole Mass. Um, okay, and she goes on for that. I, I have to cut for time a little bit, but that's, but, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, and, and it makes a good point. I, I don't disagree with that. We do have to be accepting of children in, 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 in society in general. That's what we're talking about here today, right? Accepting children. Um, and especially in church, I agree there too. And that's one of the reasons I don't like, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of things like children's church or, you know, some churches where you ferry the kids off to some other place. I think they need to be with their parents, be with their family, be a, they're a part of the body of Christ, right? And they need to feel like it. So I agree with that. Um, but so that's, that's fine, right? We can make that statement. Children should be accepted and welcomed. Absolutely. But also, um, I would assume you agree, there can come a point where a child is simply being disruptive to a point that is unacceptable because it it just makes it impossible for everyone else to do what they came there to do. Um, So it's great for your child to be included. It's not great if your child's inclusion means that whatever he's included in becomes all about him because of how disruptive and loud he's being. I mean, obviously, if a kid is sitting in church literally screaming, then the only thing anyone can hear is that. And so now everything is about him, and that's not okay. Yeah, he should be included, but you can't expect us to, for us all to simply go along uh, patiently and with acceptance with all of your kids' various moods and everything, and whatever he wants to do, we have to simply deal with it. You can't expect that either. And I don't think you would expect that. I think you would agree. I hope you would agree. There are parents, and most parents understand that, but there are parents who seem to think that my kid's going to act however he wants, and if he's a distraction, you have to deal with it. And if everything becomes about him, okay, that's just the way it is. And that's not... That's wrong to everybody else. It's also wrong for the child. Because the child needs to learn how to be a part of things. But that's not being a part when you're making everything about you. A two-year-old can't help but do that. But we as parents have to offer that loving correction, right? So I think there's a balance there that can be struck. Um, Finally, this is from Joey, says, uh, well, the subject subject line of the email is, should men wear beards? says, Dear Master of the Known Universe, I was listening to your podcast and thought of a verse in Corinthians. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Uh, First Corinthians, my question is, does this verse apply to beards too? And if so, should we all shave ours? Please forgive this heresy when you come into your power. Uh, Joey, I, um, I am, it's no big deal, don't be concerned, but I am keeping a list of uh, people who, when I am dictator of the country, uh, will, you know, be questioned and probably imprisoned. And uh, so, uh, let's see, Joey, last name. Okay, so you're, you've just, you've made the list with that question. And uh, so, congratulations. I won't, I won't even dignify it with an answer. Should we all shave our beards? That you would even insult me with such a question is all the more reason for you to have made my my list. All right, we'll leave it there. Hope you all have a great weekend. Um, Godspeed.